0: as Pastor Jason talks about what the church is and what the church is not, God, the church is us, a body of believers so passionate about sharing the gospel, God, that we do it with joyful hearts, God, we praise you and we thank you that we can come here and we can praise you through song and through prayer, God, and through the reading of your word, God, we can lift up your voice in those things. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time, for it's in your sons name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. And that word will be, hopefully, mean a little different for us as we uh, leave here today. In the next four weeks, we're beginning a, another sermon series on the church. What the church is, who are its people? And you say, well, Pastor Jason, we're sitting in a church. Well, kind of of what our culture has made it to be. But today we're going to look at the birth of the church. How many of you enjoy your birthday? Yeah, we, 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 we love, our, well happy birthday! Let's give him a hand. Happy birthday! Your birthday is today. Good! It's when you get older you, try to, you tend to forget about your birthday. Like uh, my daughter Mariah reminded us this week, I got my birthday list ready birthday's in July, so we have some time to plan that. But it's exciting why birthdays, parents make that day special, because we're celebrating the day that God brought you into the world. New birth is exciting. Reminds me of a story of, this was going way, way back, um, when dads could not be in the birthing room, but three men sitting in a waiting room, waiting to hear the news of the birth of their child. Nurse comes out to the first dad, congratulations, you are a proud father of twins. He's like, wow, that's amazing. Is it ironic that I also play for the Minnesota Twins? Wow. A few minutes later the nurse comes out to the second father in the waiting room. Sir, you're not gonna believe it, but you are a proud father to triplets. He's like, is it a coincidence that I work for the 3M company? All of a sudden they heard this thud on the ground, the next dad's on the ground, passed out. They go over, they get him up, get him woken up, and he's like looking around, he's like, this, I don't like how this is going because I'm the CEO of the 7-Up company. <laughs> so birth, exciting news when someone is born, when a baby is brought into the world. Well this morning as we get into our study of the church and who we are, I think it's important for us to go back. Like you do when you go and you open up your, your baby out. My, mo- my mother gave us ours years ago. And just look at those pictures of when you were born. Well, I think I want to look through the pages of Scripture this morning and see when the church came into existence, the purpose of the church, and the people of the church. That's going to be the next four weeks of our Sunday morning gathering as we look and see what the church is for us. Two questions we're going to answer in these four weeks is this What is the church? What is the church and what is our role? What is the church and what is our role? So Chris is going to show a picture here. If you see this picture, what's the first thing that comes to mind? It's a church! There's no wrong answer. Well, I guess there would be a wrong answer. I don't know which church it is. Look at the beautiful pews and the the beautiful artistry, the aesthetics of the church. For hundreds of years, we have put the word church with a building, haven't we? We've associated it with that but today millions of people across the world will go to church with this understanding I went to church today and guess what we all will say that as well it gives us some kind of social credibility of being spiritual I went to church think about it when you talk to someone at your job or in your neighborhood and they say I went to church you say wow they must be a Christian right or They can't be that bad if they went to church. See, the church has become this activity that one does. A place to go to fulfill some kind of to-do list. See, the church, even for myself, I've been raised in a Bible-believing church all my life. Even for me, it's a misconception that a church is a place that we go and not who we are. Understand, a church is not about where you go. And we'll find out by the end of today, it's who we are. So, particularly today and in the weeks to come, I will burst some bubbles. I will step on toes. When we understand, really, what the church is and what it was created to do. So, next week, just bring your steel toe boots and we'll be fine. No, but in all seriousness, as we look through Scripture and we see what the church is and what our purpose is, I think we'll all agree, like, yeah, Pastor Jason, we, I did have the wrong conception of the church. Yeah, I mean, all my life. And I think we'll, gra- we'll, we'll learn some great things of what the church is. So let me just start off right off the bat. The church is not, are you ready? The church is not a building. What are you talking about? I'm sitting in a church. I know, but we're going to find out the church is not a building. Because if something would happen to this building this week, Faith Bible Church would still meet, because it's a body, it's believers. The church is not a social club where you just come and gather and just have a great time. Do we do that as a church? We do, but it's not the purpose of the church. It's not a lodge-type organization where you pay your dues, get some benefits, get the Faith Bible Church bumper sticker, and you're good to go. That's not the purpose of the church. It's not a gathering place that we just come and just, just talk about our feelings. We have other places to do that. I love this analogy. It's not a service provider. A pastor gave this illustration. I loved it, that we treat the church like a jiffy lube. We come in, we get service, and out we go for the rest of the week, and we're good to go. We drop our kids off. Hey, okay, church, you deal with my rugrats. I'm out, right? That's not the purpose. We're not not a daycare here. Lastly, we're not a consumer-driven Idea that we come to church to get something for ourselves, and if we don't get it here, we're going to go down to this church because they provide that. And then you're going to want something else, and then you're going to go somewhere else to get some that consumer-driven mentality. When I first, when Judy and I first came to Faith Bible Church 18 years ago, we were in charge of our the college and career. Um, Department here are the, are the kids now they're adults and probably some are sitting there but we had a young girl that was here she went to four different churches on a Sunday morning four played the piano at one church went there for a service came here for a college and career and then went to a bilingual church downtown. We went through this subject of the church to our Sunday school lesson, the one, one quarter. And she came out to me, she goes, Pastor Jason, man, you are right. I have been doing this all wrong. I am all over the place. I'm not committed to one body of believers. And so I'm gonna pick my church. Well, she didn't pick Faith Bible Church. But that is okay because she is faithfully plugged in to a church using her gifts and abilities that God intended to be. So what I wanna do this morning, my mother, on our birthdays, with my brother and I, would tell the story of 24 hours leading up to our birth. You no, know, and even in college, it was like, "Okay, mom. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Your mom's telling your story, Mom. Why are you doing this to me, right? But she would tell the story of what she was doing and where she was at when she had the contraption. what my dad was doing, and all this. That's, that's what I want to do this morning with the church. I want to take us 20 48 to 24 hours before the birth of the church and see where we are at and how the church got here So this morning I need you to understand there's gonna there's a lot of doctrine in acts 1 2 There's a lot of theology there's a lot of words we're going to stop on and explain what we believe here at faith Bible Church and them to believe and how we believe these words how we believe these truths. So young people, just hang in there. It's a lot. I know you don't might not like history, but it's important that we know this and understand this. So let's begin. Where do we find church first in the Bible? Matthew 16, 18, and Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 16 is when Jesus told Peter at Caesarea Philippi, and you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. We also see him later, two chapters in Matthew 18, 17, saying, and this is the story of uh, uh, how we um, handle church discipline. So if you go to a brother, he doesn't listen to you, take two. He doesn't listen to you, now we take it to the church. And verse 17 is this, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. So we have to look at that word, church. What's it mean in the Greek? It's ekklesia. It's ekklesia. You're like, okay, yeah, that's what it means. It's just ecclesia, here's what the the definition is. The totality of Christians, or as one pastor, one scholar put it, the gathered redeemed. That's the church. So we need to stop there a minute. So the millions of people that are going to church today, what's the one criteria that makes it the church of Christ? They have to be born again. They have, have to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The real church of Jesus Christ are the gathered redeemed. The totality of Christians. That is the real church. So get this idea when people say, I've gone to church. Okay, yeah, but we understand what the real church is. It's those who have been saved. Those who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. You know, so what, so wh- where, did, where did the church come into existence? Well, we're going to read that in Acts chapter 1 and 2. But to give us a little bit of history here, the church was nowhere in the Old Testament. What did God have in the Old Testament? Who did he create or make out from the seed of Abraham, the nation of Israel? That were God's people and still are today. And through the Old Testament we read stories of them succeeding and, and praising God and God blessing them. Then we read stories where they went against God and God judging them as we came through Micah. We understand that God will always love His people, will always come back for His people. And right now, we come to the point in the Gospels where the Jews rejected Jesus, didn't they? They rejected the Messiah. John the Baptist, as we talked, was preparing the way for the true Messiah, and they rejected Him. And so at this moment, spiritually, God has placed the nation of Israel on a back burner. He hasn't rejected them. He hasn't forgotten them. He still loves them because as we read... There's promises that are still to come for the nation of Israel. There is a theology or a group of individuals that believe in replacement theology or covenant theology that say the church replaced Israel. There's nowhere in Scripture that we read that. The church was an organism that God created for His particular purpose and plan, and now we're going to see God's going to create the church to fulfill something in this world for Him. Okay? At some point, the church will be raptured, 1 Thessalonians chapter four, 4, and God will bring the nation of Israel back to himself through the tribulation period. And we as the church will be rejoicing in heaven with Jesus. So God has two institutions where he's working through in his redemptive time table here of this world. And now here's the church coming into existence in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Who wrote the book of Acts? Dr. Luke right. Good, you learned, we learned that a couple weeks ago. We believe that Theophilus, this Roman dignitary, bankrolled Luke to write Luke, the Gospel of Luke, to tell about the life of Jesus, and write Acts, which is the history of the church. If we were to look at the, the theme of Acts, it's pretty much this, it is the contents, the contents of the table contents for this particular book would be the advancement of the Gospel. God's calling people to be witnesses, And it's the outcome of what that looks like. That's the book of Acts. It's the history book to see how the church had advanced because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We come to Acts chapter 1. We are in a a 40-day window when Jesus rose from the dead and before, and he was ascended. 40-day period there, okay? And we see that he was not a spirit. He was a body. He had his glorified body. And we see in this particular time frame that per 1 Corinthians chapter 15, over 500 people witnessed Jesus Christ. And his message here now is about the kingdom of God. And he's preaching to his followers this idea of the kingdom of God. So we get to verse 8. If you go with me to Acts 1.8, and here is what happens at this moment. So if you would with me, imagine you're there. Listening to Jesus, you're your Messiah, you've just seen him, you've seen him rise from the dead, he's here. He says this to the church, he says this to these followers. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. As a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. We believe that is a picture not of the rapture of the church, but that's a picture. He's going to come down to the earth in his second coming in Revelation chapter 19 to set up his earthly kingdom. Are you with me? Can you imagine seeing this happen? Jesus being taken up into heaven. Here's your leader. Here's the Messiah. He's gone. He just told us, listen, you're gonna, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And here's what's going to happen. You will be my witnesses. Verse 12. And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, the Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. I want you to underline verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with Mary, Mary, together with the women, and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. I want you to highlight their one accord. They were of one heart, one mind, one purpose. They were in one focus, waiting for what? Waiting for what Jesus said would be the Holy Spirit coming upon them to be witnesses. It's not a, that's a pretty good way to start the church, everyone being on the same page. We see here in verse 15, there's going to be 120 followers. This is the church started with 120 members. These people were of one heart, one mind. One purpose, one goal. And that's what happened here at Pentecost. It was a waiting period. They were waiting for this Holy Spirit to come upon them. Because there was nothing they could do without the power of God. There was nothing they could do. They couldn't be witnesses. They couldn't continue on this Christian life that Jesus had shared with them for three years without having the power of God. See, Jesus was with them for three years, He was there, God in the flesh and now God gave them a task of taking this message to the world and they could not do it without the Holy Spirit. So this morning I want to ask three questions of evaluation for all of us. These are questions you don't answer here, you don't answer to your spouse, you answer to no one but yourself and to God. These are evaluation questions and they're questions about the church, us, the body. Remember, the the gathered redeemed, that's what the church is. If again this building's gone, the gathered redeemed, is still in existence. So if you're here today and you're visiting, hey I hope you come back and learn more about the church. This, this, these questions are for our members, these are for regular attenders. I want us to think here of what we're doing here. Calling ourselves the church. And the first question I want to ask you is a very blunt question. Why are you here? Why are you here at Faith Bible Church? If you're watching online, why are you, are you at the church you are at? Why? And here are some of the, the questions that are the answers to those questions. Because I just love the children's ministry. Okay, great. Right, yeah. I like the children's ministry too. I love the worship. I love how they sing and we worship. Great. Oh, I do too. Faith Bible is just so friendly. Yeah, we should be. I hope we are. That is a, a, a great quality here at church. Well, I'm here because my family's always been here, right? And maybe some of you are fall in that category. That's why you're here. Yeah, I really, I really like Pastor Jason. I like him too, you know. There's nothing wrong with these reasons for attending church. However, there should, this should not be the end all of why we're part of a church. Does that make sense? Um, as part of the gathering, we are here for a purpose and reason. So the question I asked, why are you here? I remember as I coached basketball for many years, there was a, a ninth grader that joined the varsity team. I cut him very quickly, but he joined. And I asked him the question, I asked my son, I like, okay, why is he on the team? Because he can't play the game of basketball. And he's like, "Dad, I have no idea. So I pulled him aside, I said, listen, why are you here? Why are you part, want to be part of a varsity basketball team when you've never played before? And you know what his answer was? I just want to be with my friends and go out to eat after games. As a coach, that was the very wrong answer to get from a player. But I had another player who was similar, similar in, in, in skill, and I said, listen, man, why are you here? as a coach, I, I, I want to I learn, I want to grow, I want to be better at this game, and I want to contribute to the team. Guess what? He stayed on the team. And by his senior year, he was starting. Why? Two different answers, two different purposes, two different goals. And we look at those answers, guess what? Some of us give the same responses in our our attendance and our our membership of a church. I I just want the frills. I just want to come here because you have this, this, that, or the other thing. That's not the end all of why we are at church. Look at verse 14 again, and these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Their goal, their passion was they wanted the Holy Spirit. God was saying, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. They were praying for that. They knew what the church was going to start as, and they were calling for that Holy Spirit. Being of one purpose and one mind. Maybe we as a church, you as, a, as a body, need to pray, God, why do you have me here? God, why do you have me at faith? What is my purpose? What will what, what you have me to do? And I love what, Paul, what Peter told the church in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. He says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Again, Peter's pointing out the only reason we can use our gifts is with the power of God behind us in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion uh, forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we need to ask ourselves this question. Why? Why are we here? Am I here to serve God and serve others? Am I here for myself? Let's continue on the text. Look at verse 15. The next steps. We see 120 followers here. The part of this, this, the genesis of the church, the beginning of the church. I'm just going to overview here the, this, this particular portion of Scripture. Peter took charge and set the group on, on to the next steps. We see here that he fulfills the prophecy of, of Psalms 109.8. There's a prophecy that talks of Judas betraying Jesus. And it says there in the text that they had to fill the office, the office of the apostle. And that's what they're going to do here. It goes into actually pretty deep detail of how Judas dies. He hung himself, he fell, his guts spilled all over the rocks. It's pretty amazing. You read it, read it there in the text. But what they had to do here is Peter knew they had to fulfill this position of apostle before anything would happen here. So Peter took the bull by the horns. So let's stop here and pause. What, what is an apostle? We hear that in our culture a lot. Well, the, the definition from the Greek, the Greek word apostle means is one who fulfills the role of being a special messenger, one who is an immediate follower follower of Jesus Christ. Look at verses 21 and 22. gives us the qualifications of an individual to call himself an apostle. Let's read there together. So one of, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So an individual that would be chosen had to be one who walked among Jesus, seen him when at his baptism of John, his, starting his earthly ministry, and one who's seen his resurrection and, and ministered with him after his resurrection. So based on that job qualification, are there apostles today in the world? Good answer. Good answer. I mean, if they are, they age very, very well. You're 2,000 years old, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. What do they do next? So the word apostle, that's a kind of a word many people tag that word. I'm apostle, so-and-so. Eh, not according to the biblical standard of the job description of an apostle. So what happens next? They cast lots to choose this next apostle. The two guys, Justice and Matthias. Now, the casting lots is a little bizarre in the Christian circles during this time, because even in the Old Testament, 25 times in Scripture, the Bible references of casting of lots to f- f- find God's will. Now casting lots would be something where in this particular culture was two rocks that were rolled, and determining on how the rocks rolled, that individual was chosen. Picking sticks or picking, you know, uh, names out of a hat, flipping up a coin, rolling dice, casting lots, that's kind of the picture here of how Matthias got chosen It's very interesting this is the last time that you will see the word casting lots in the Bible why because now the Holy Spirit will be upon us and there's no reason to cast lots why because we have the Spirit of God in us we have his word in front of us that helps us make those decisions so Matthias was now the chosen 12th apostle to replace Judas now, the moment you've been waiting for. We're turning the page in the photo book. Here is the birth of the church. Chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Can you, can you see it? Just, just there, they're waiting, they're praying, they're on one accord. This is what Jesus says. We gotta wait here for Him. We're waiting for it. 120 of them. A couple things we need to know here about Pentecost. It was 50 days after Passover. 50 days after Passover, it was required that the Jewish citizen had to make himself seen or be uh, visited the Jerusalem during three, three times a year during feasts. And Pentecost was one of those feasts. There was thousands and thousands of Jews in Jerusalem at this time to celebrate this event. Now, we don't celebrate Pentecost. And I, as I was studying this week and reading some things, I, I questioned, like, Behind the the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Pentecost is like the next most important day in church history. You say, why? Well, we celebrate Christmas, right? The the incarnation, the the advent of, of, of Jesus as man, as a baby, right? We celebrate Easter, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which are very important days to celebrate. The Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost? The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, came to earth universally and permanently to indwell us. That's exciting. That's a day that that, that we celebrate, that 50 days after Passover. That's in June. That's exciting. You guys don't seem excited about that. That God sent His Holy Spirit to universally and permanently dwell us here on earth. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, His Spirit comes into us, baptizes us. We are filled with Him. He makes us new creatures. We make decisions differently. We live differently. That's a day to be celebrated. Let's continue reading verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's one thing we need to understand here. This was an atypical event, meaning it was a non-repeatable event. Was there any other event that someone was born of a virgin? No. Was there any other event where we've seen someone die on the cross and rise three days from the dead? No. The descending of the Holy Spirit is a day just like that. No other event, no other time in history will we ever see anything like this. It was an atypical event. We see that the, the, our senses, the, the follower's senses were, were tickled here. Audi, aud, audible and visual. What did they hear? The sound of a what? Rushing wind. Well, what's that mean? Well, will go back to the Old Testament. Job was spoken to by God in the voice of a rushing wind. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that the Spirit moves like the wind. What's this a picture of? God's presence. God's presence. Okay, tongues of fire. What, what does that mean? Well, let's go back in, in, in the Bible. Okay, what did fire represent in the Old Testament? Well, Moses stood and talked to a burning bush of fire. What did that represent? God's presence. The nation of Israel followed God during the day, cloud of smoke, and nighttime a what? Pillar of fire. This represented, this was the time where God's presence presence was now upon them. God's Spirit has descended. God's Spirit baptized them. And fill them just like we trust Jesus Christ our Savior baptism is a one-time event spiritually when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit it was the time when the Holy Spirit came upon you but filling is a continual thing that happens in our lives daily but you are baptized you were saved once and permanently and what's great no one can take that from you and that's what we see here happening. I, I, maybe this week, take some time to think about Pentecost. You think about the descending of the Holy Spirit and, and the time where, where the birthday of the church, when God's Spirit came upon individuals. That's something we need to thank God about. Thank God for your salvation. Thank God the day that the Spirit came into your life and changed you. Not only do we need to ask ourselves the question, why are we here? Since we see the Spirit of God coming upon these followers of Jesus, now it's going to empower them to do the work Jesus has set them out to do. The second question we need to ask is this. Will you let God, will you let God use you in the church? What was the, what was the purpose when the Spirit came upon them in Acts 1.8? To be my witnesses. So why are you here? Are you here to get to take, to get, to take? Do you have this consumer-driven mentality, like, I go to church because I want this? Wrong. Because as we read in First Peter, we're here to serve God and to serve others with our gifts. Jesus set the example in Mark. What did he say in Mark chapter 10? I have not come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. Will you let God use you in your gifts all of you, all of us, have gifts to use that God has given us, for Him and for others. And, and it, it, it's, it's unfortunate that we live in a society where we are we are consumer driven. Every single person here could get their phones out, and you could you could get you could order lunch already and go home, and it'll be delivered to you. That's how quick. You know, it's, we're just consumer driven. But the church should not be that way. We need to be here to give to God and give to others. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 as we continue down through our story of the birth of the church. I like to title of this section, Mission in Motion. The mission is in motion. Look at verse 5. And now they were there dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men. Again, kinda goes along with what we've been reading from every nation under heaven. Individuals travel to this to this this moment in Jerusalem, four or five days walking journey. Verse 6, and at this sound, the multitudes came together as the rushing wind and the fires of tongue were over the heads. Came and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. Now here we go. Here is the word. Tongues. Here it is. Right? The controversial discussion that people have in church. Let me just say this. I know many of us come from the Charismatic Pentecostal backgrounds. Um, so what I'm about to share here, listen, I have many Charismatic Pentecostal friends. I love them to death. They're saved. We know we're gonna be in heaven together. I've learned so much from them in the area of evangelism, but this is one particular area where we just agree to disagree on. Okay? So I just want to set that forward as we put, go in motion here explaining this. The word tongues here is the word glossa or glossa, which means another tongue, another dialect, another language. We see here in the text that they understood the dialect that was, that were, was being spoken. So just real quickly, there's two camps in Christianity that, that deal with this idea of tongues. There's continuous and then there is the cessationist view. Okay, and you'll see those words, I don't know if I spelled them correctly, I hope that I did. But a continuous is this, individual that believes the gifts of the spirit, the, 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 the spiritual gifts continued from this apostolic age of the, of the first century and continue today. Tongues, healings, miracles, prophecies, they continue today. Continuous, they continued on. Now, understand we have to stop and think because when we read church history, there's 1900 years where we don't read in church history of tongues or of miracles, of healing, of individuals touching, laying hands on people. However, there was an event in 1908 called Azuzu Street. It was kind of the birth of the Pentecostal movement where seven guys were in a room and Reverend Seymour, they were struck by lightning, they woke up and they were speaking in tongues and they reference this event as an Acts 2 moment. What did we learn this morning about Acts 2 moment? It is an atypical event. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime event. And so tongues came onto the scene again in the 19th century and has been part of Christianity since then. Well, we believe here at Faith Bible Church, we're cessationists. We believe that there were, there were foundational gifts that were used for the birth of the church and are not in use anymore for the need of promoting the gospel. Does God still perform miracles? Yes. Does God still heal? Yes. But I'm not going to come down to Matt if he has someone wrong and heal him. I don't believe God has given me the power to do that. They were foundational gifts used for the birth of the church. Does God still heal, heal that? Yes. Prophecy, we have God's word right in front of us. We do not need to prophesy anything more that's not in God's word. And so a cessation is this is why we believe that. And, and going back to the word apostle and prophets, they were foundational positions for the purpose of advancing the gospel during the time of the birth of the church. Does that make sense? So if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, Paul said it this way in verses 19 and 20. So then you are no longer f- longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. A foundation. Here's a picture of a, of, a, of, a, of a foundation floor. So Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. You know I don't build. So the correction here, if I'm wrong, please tell me. Foundations are only made of certain materials, right? Cement or cinder block. Once you get to the first floor, you're not using cement and cinder block anymore, right, Dave? You're using other materials to build your house. When you get to the roof, you're using other materials. I want you to think of that idea as far as the church. The church, Paul says, there was foundational positions, there was foundational gifts used for the advancement, for the purpose of spreading the gospel. But now as we're 2,000 years removed, there's gifts and those positions are not needed. Why? Because the gospel is well advanced in the world today but I want you to see something really, really cool here. Verse seven. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who were speaking Galileans? The Galileans were considered uneducated. Uh, individuals who live in the sticks, okay? That's how they would assume. What, they're just Galileans just speaking. What's, what's the big deal? They're, just, they're, they're not educated. How can we hear our language spoken by them in the native tongue? And they go through 10 cities, 10 areas, 10 areas of the, of, of, of the country different nations mentioned here. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. You see what God did here? What happened after Pentecost with all the, the thousands of Jews there from these different areas? What did God, what happened? What, where, where did they go after this? They went back home. And what did they do when they went back home? They declared the works of God. Because there's this other guy in the Bible, I think you'll know him, his name is the Apostle Paul. And what do we know when Paul was going on his mission journeys? And he was going to Corinth, and he was going to to Ephesus, and and Thyatira, and he was going to Rome, and all these places. He was running into a group of people called Christians. How did they get to know about Jesus? Scholars and theologians believe it was this event here, that after a three- or five-day journey back to their hometown, the gospel was being spread. The good news of Jesus Christ was being accepted and people were being filled by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? How we see the church just continuing to grow that way and today we see it continuing to happen as the churches stay on mission. That's our third question this morning. Our third inventory question this morning is this. Will you stay on mission? Will you stay on mission? What is our church's vision statement? Connecting to community to connect them to Christ. Does that fall in line with what Jesus said in Acts one eight? Connect the community to connect them to Christ. I, I love sitting and watching the different ministries that happen here. I was over in the other building on Wednesday night and see a lot of new kids running around. I'm like, who's that kid? And then their parents are there? And I'm introducing myself. I'm like, same with the teens. You see a lot of things happen throughout the week. You have visitors and all these other different ministries. What are we doing? We're connecting to them for the purpose of connecting them to Christ. That is our mission. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and in the other most parts of the world. See, Here's our church's vision statement. But again, as we've seen this morning, the church is what? The church is people, it's the body. We have to ask ourselves is that your mission? Is that your mission? Do you want to see people know Jesus and come to Jesus? Do you see how easy it is to get distracted to make church this great social gathering? Satan loves that. If we can stay in our bubble, he's happy with that. You guys stay here, yeah, you might just, just fight with each other, you have fun with each other, don't worry about the world. Satan loves that. But that's not what we see the church doing here at the birth of the church. So let's take personal inventory this week. Why are you here? We want you to be here. We want you to get plugged in on mission. Will you let God use you? Some of us are hiding our gifts. Some of us are not participating. Some of us just want to just fly below the radar. I don't read that about the early church. They were excited about using their gifts and abilities for God, for the purpose of being a witness. And will you stay on mission? Let's not be distracted. Let's not be distracted with all the little things that come into our life as Christians that mean nothing eternity you know what matters in eternity the people that are there I think you know what I mean by that so church let's let's look at those questions and if you come back and join us the next several weeks as we continue to walk through what this means as the church what this means as members and attenders of a church what this means for us we're part of a team a global team that will that that our leader our coach is Jesus you want to be part of that team? Do you want to use your gifts and abilities? As my player said when I was getting ready to cut him, he says, listen, I just want to be used. I want to be part of something bigger. That's what we want, church, as we serve Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, thank you for this, this picture, these, these photos, I guess we will call them, of, of the church, the birth of the church and how the church got here because of your Holy Spirit came, coming and filling us and, 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 and baptizing us that we live and, and, and breathe in your power. Thank you, God, for this opportunity you have, this, this, this power you've given us to be your witnesses, to share the faith in which so drastically changed us. But we love Faith Bible Church. We love the local body of believers here We pray that we would be faithful, that you would be proud of us as we continue to serve you here to connect to our community as we see them get connected to Christ. And may we take those opportunities, when they're available to us, to do just that. We love you. Give us a a, a great, great week in your precious name. Amen. All right, it's been good seeing you this morning and being with you as as the gathered redeemed. So you are dismissed. We'll see you next week. God bless.